Soundprints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushville. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Soundprints for the week of May 1, 2016. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind held its spring quarterly meeting on Friday, April 29. The event began with roundabout activities at 3.30 the bargain table opened at 4.45. Oliver Barber, senior partner in the law firm Barber, Benazinski & Hyatt, answered questions and shared past experiences with us in the Ask the Lawyer session from 5.30 to 6.30. Then followed our business meeting, elections and dinner, from 6.30 to 8.15. Forty-one people were in attendance, and of that number, 22 were under 50 years of age, and 12 of that 22 were under 40. GLCB elects officers in odd-numbered years and its four directors in even-numbered years. Directors may serve two consecutive two-year terms. Deb Trevino was completing her second two-year term as a director and so was ineligible to run for re-election. Deb served as the chair of the nominating committee. Patty Cox was elected to her second two-year term as a director. Kendall Perry, David Smith, and Josh Gentry won first-term seats. The entire evening was very successful. We raised $229 from the sale of new and gently used items on the bargain table, $62 from our 50-50 raffle, and $39 from the sale of audiobooks by the Tri-State Library users. Patty Cox and the kitchen crew served up some mighty delicious oven-roasted chicken, broccoli and cheese, and potatoes with ice cream sundaes for dessert. Of course, seconds were available. Thanks to all who came and helped fill this evening with excitement, energy, information, food, and friends. The 71st Conference and Reunion of the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Association is coming up this summer, and we hope all of you who ever attended KSB, ever wished you could attend KSB, or are a friend or relative of someone who attended KSB, will plan to attend. We'll bring you more details in the next sound prints, but for now, please note that the dates of the reunion have changed. The 2016 KSB Alumni Reunion will be the weekend of August 5 and 6. Help us spread the word so that folks aren't expecting it to happen in June. On April 28, 2013, we all lost a great friend with the passing of Jim Shaw. Jim's name still comes up on many occasions. He's missed so much by his many local, state, and national friends. Whether we're talking about Social Security, food, or any number of other topics, Jim's name is mentioned frequently. Patty Cox went into a restaurant here in Louisville just the other day, and the staff there asked about Jim. They didn't know why he hadn't been in to see them recently. 
The Kentucky Council of the Blind, at its April 18 board meeting, established an ACB Angel page in memory of Jim Shaw. A special web page just for Jim is being created on the American Council of the Blind website. KCB has donated $500 to ACB to create the page. Others are invited to contribute to the page as well. For more information about the Jim Shaw Angel page and how you can participate, call us at 502-895-4598. Soundprince is nearing its 14th anniversary, and on page 2, we share a segment from January 26, 2014, in which Patty Cox and I discuss the food processor and what a great countertop appliance it is for a blind or visually impaired cook. Jim Shaw and I co-hosted the first Soundprint show on May 13, 2002 at WKJK 1080 AM here in Louisville. We thought you might enjoy hearing some audio from that first show. It's on page 3. Please keep in mind that this recording is taken from a cassette tape recorded from the radio. An audio scrapbook of people's memories of Jim was created on Soundprints the day of Jim's viewing. Many, many people called into the show that night and shared memories and thoughts of Jim. On page 4, we bring you some of those calls from the Wednesday, May 1, 2013 Soundprints, aired live that night from the WKJK studios. And on page 5 is the Soundprints calendar. Page 2. The Cook's Corner. Food Processors. With me is Patty Cox, and we are going to be doing a little review about the food processor. A few weeks ago, there was a discussion on some of the ACB lists about small appliances in the kitchen. And I noticed in that discussion that some of the things that were talked about were not especially the newest and the latest and greatest, but those things that have been around for a while that maybe people have either forgotten about or had never happened to use before and weren't aware of the capabilities of the particular items. We have found a food processor that Patty has uh, decided is going to go to her kitchen and this is a good occasion for us to review what you can do with the food processor and what a safe appliance it is for a blind person to use. So welcome Patty. Hello. Patty, one of the neat things about a food processor, whether it be a large one or a small one, and they do come in all sizes, is that it is probably one of the safest devices for a blind person to use, whether that be a person who has been blind all their life or a person who is just losing their vision and learning to do things by touch. And the reason that it's safe is because it is impossible for that food processor to turn on by accident, for you to get your fingers down into the blade or down into the slicing disc. You have to work really hard to have any danger of cutting yourself when the machine is in operation. Um, the, the food processors that I have either owned or seen in the past all require that 
the uh, that the bowl be lined up with a little tab or a little notch uh, in the top and in the base of the processor. And without everything being in alignment, the machine will not turn on. So that being said, let's let's describe, first of all, what a real food processor actually would look like. And then we can talk about some of the things that can be done with the food processor. You have the large Cuisinart food processor. Um, and so also tell us about that. Too. Okay. That right. one left the countertop. Uh-huh. Um, and <laughs> when the, the large, large one came along. And the large one has moved in. Okay. And that's because you cook for s- several people. Yeah. Or, or well, and a, a teenage boy equals several other normal people when it comes to oh, yes. eating. So cook, <laughs> seeing as how you're cooking for a 15-year-old, um, you need to be able to process a lot of food. So tell us, just give us a quick description of the food processor, and then we're going to talk about some of the things that can be done. The base is rectangular um, at the bottom, and then it's about an inch um, on the top of that, there's a circle that's about an inch high, and, and then there's a stem that comes out of it, and the the round bowl will sit down on top of that round stem, mm-hmm. the stem and, and the, the part that's and raised the circle up. on the base. Uh huh. And then you have the lid, which has uh, different parts to it. It has a part where you can. Um, you know, pour liquid down in while it's going. Mm-hmm. Um, you can push foods through, like carrots, to slice them. Um, so there, there's a lot of things that that top can do, um, depending on what blades you have to use, what you can right. do with it. Right. On the lid and on the bowl, um, there. There's a part of the lid that once you put the bowl on, the bowl has to lock in. Right. And then the if bowl... If you get the bowl on backwards, it's not going to right. function. Yeah. And there's the handle on one side, and then there's this small plastic piece. Inside that plastic piece is a small plunger. You just... You don't feel it, mm-hmm. um, but I can see that. And then in the, the the top has to be put on a certain way, and there's a piece that hangs off of the top. Right. And that pushes the plunger down and that gives you the it gives you the capability to push the button and make it go. Right. But you don't have to the, all of this doesn't come apart. It's you've got the base, the base, the bowl, mm-hmm. the lid, the bowl, and then you've got your blade. The lid and and you have the plunger. What's called a food tube. Yeah. Uh on your bowl that fits on top of the bowl and uh, that's where you can either pour something in through a little round tube or you can actually stack vegetables up in there. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And then, of course, you have your uh, little knife blade that fits down inside. And you use that for most things like chopping or uh, I use it for making deviled eggs, all kinds of things. But you also have these discs that let you slice and grate. Now, the discs have a long um, round cylinder. Mm -hmm. And that cylinder goes on to all, all of the um, blades and 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 uh, have something that goes down on the middle onto cylinder, that stem, uh-huh. yeah, onto the stem, right? 
the ones that have the the um, like the slice, the dice, um, the grate, the, and the grate. Mm-hmm. They're tall. You put them in. It looks like you're putting them in upside down. Right. So you have the stem going down and the blade is up. Right. The At other the top ones of the bowl. are the blades are going down. Right. Right. So your 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 knife blade, which actually has um, a blade that goes either it well it goes both to left and right. If you were holding it and kind of looking at it um, with the blade, looks like a fan to the blade. Uh huh. That. That fits down near the bottom of the bowl. It sits down over the stem, and the blades are at the bottom of the bowl. Your discs go down over the stem, and the disc is up near the top. Um, and when you put the then the the whole the top on the whole contraption, <clears throat> the blades with the disc or the or the knife blade are both inside the bowl. You can't touch them with your fingers when the machine is turned on. No, unless you were to stick your hand, physically stick your hand down through the food tube and and make an effort you could then get your hand in the bowl but you wouldn't ever have cause to stick your hand down in that machine and if you do you might find a a good little place to take yourself to yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes that would not be too smart Uh, the one thing that i think we need to caution people about using a food processor is when you're using the discs, and that's the slicing disc, the grating disc, um, the dicer, whatever, those discs that sit near the top. When you do stop the machine and you take the top off the bowl, you need to be a little careful that you don't put your fingers onto that disc too quickly because it could still be spinning. And it depends on if you've used the pulse or you've put on the... um the, a continuous. It's a continuous. Right. Um, because I, I was kind of trying it out. Mm-hmm. And if you have it on the pulse, it stops faster. Right. But if you stop the food processor and count to 10, 1, 2, 3, 4, like that, not saying 1,000, you know, 1, yeah. 1,000. Right. At 10 seconds, um, the disc is stopped. The disc is stopped. I right. counted them. Right. You just want to be a little careful of that. Right. Your your blade, when you're using the steel blade down in the bottom of the food it processor stops. or the whipper, there's a little plastic whipper blade with some food processors. Yes. Um, that's, that, that stops when the machine stops. Now, we didn't talk about the two little on-off buttons on the front. Um on most food processors, on the one we're talking about, there are two buttons on the front, and one is a continuous, uh, a continuous operation. It would be similar to turning a blender on and letting it blend. The other is a pulse, and and quite honestly, that's what I use the most because a food processor processes so fast that you really don't need. You can go from solid food to liquefied in 20 seconds so i can give you an example okay we've talked about the oreo balls before. Yes, back before christmas yes and well i burned out almost completely burned out my bullet okay and because it wasn't strong I, enough right it wasn't it wasn't strong enough and it couldn't hold as much right um i can put a whole package of oreos in to the food processor and I've tried it both ways. If you keep it on continuously for just a minute, um, 
not all the Oreos actually get crushed up because they get underneath the blade. The uh-huh. actual cookies do. Right, right. Um, so if you pulse it, um, you can do it like six, seven times, and that would mean something like push, let off, push, let off. And that quickly, the whole the whole package is crushed in no time. Yeah. So then you just and the, but the one thing you need to make sure of when you're using a food processor, when you need to make things like the Oreo balls, and you're going to add the cream cheese to it, mm-hmm. that you you use that pulse because if you leave it on, um, the cream cheese and the cookies get so thin. Right. And it they don't set up into That's right. balls. That's right. Very well. You can over process yeah. very quickly. Some of the other things that you can do with the food processor that people might be interested in hearing about are uh, you can do things like making mashed potatoes. Obviously, that would whip up pretty quickly. Uh, you can make pudding, whipped cream. Um, you could beat eggs. If you have a large one, though, you'd have to be beating up an awful lot of eggs. If you have a small food processor, and I have one of those as well, um, they're great for, that would be great for beating eggs. Um, I make uh, milkshakes in them. And you have to be careful that you don't fill the container over half full because it will run out the top. It whips around pretty quick and and it'll just slide right out the top. But um, it, it'll do all those kinds of things. It's great for making cookie dough. Um, and then, and that's all with the one steel blade that fits in kind of toward the bottom. You could make juice with that if you wanted to. Um, you could put uh, vegetables in and um, and add a little bit of water and you'd or or baby food. That would be another it, things of that consistency. Then, with your disc, you can you can slice and. Um, I will say that I, I've used a food processor for years, and I've never gotten slices in my food processor that would be beautiful enough to enter something in the state fair. But, you know, for a lot of people, Patty, who don't like to use a knife, who don't like to slice celery, let's say, with a knife, or who don't like to slice onions or tomatoes or whatever, the food processor is a great solution. Yeah. If, if you're making a salad, you can fill that food tube area with carrots and celery and um Oh, anything. it'll dice it right up. Yeah. It'll just slice it all and and, and with one push of right. the tube. Right. Uh if if you push slowly you get a different type of slice than if you push quickly. Well you know a lot of a lot of people don't like they they want to make things like fried potatoes and onions, mm-hmm. but they don't want to cut the potatoes. Right. And if you don't like the peel, you can always peel your potato and then put it in the food processor, and it would slice it up. Or you can, you know, just wash it off and then put it in there, and you would have the the peel on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't have to be perfect, even if you're entertaining for somebody. You know, when everything looks so consistent, mm-hmm. it almost looks like it's fake. Mm-hmm. It almost looks like it came 
out from, of a package. From a package or right. from a place. It doesn't look homemade. Mm-hmm. So when you're cooking with a food processor or anything, it doesn't have to be perfect mm-hmm. for it to be homemade. It makes shredding disc, makes great slaw. And there's almost not um, a, a something that you do in the kitchen that you would not use your food processor for. Um, if you have... Uh, especially if you have a small one, one or two people, or um, if you're cooking for a large crowd. So both types of devices have have an application. Um, well, if, in two weeks that I've had the food processor, I think two weeks, I've made Oreo balls, milkshakes. I've cut up stuff for salads. Um I tried the slice of potatoes, you know, slicing potatoes, and that mm-hmm. that went well. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot that that it can do for you that you would not want to take the time to do yourself. A lot of people work. They go to work. They come home. They don't want to spend, you know, 45 minutes to an hour slicing and dicing. Mm-hmm. Put it in the food processor, and, and you're finished in 10. One thing we do want to remind people when you are cooking with a food processor um, recipes sometimes will call for you to add things like uh, chopped nuts, let's say, at the end of a recipe. Well, if you put the pecan halves or walnut halves in at the beginning of the recipe, the food processor will just chop those as it mixes the rest of the dough. Sometimes when you are uh, doing things in a food processor, think about you know, if you want big pieces or little pieces in the fin- in the finished product, and if you want little pieces, then you might want to add some of those items at the beginning so they become little pieces by the time the whole process is over. So you- sometimes there's a little difference in how you mix the recipes together, but the end product can be really, really great. Well, thank you, Patty. You're we- welcome. Page three. The first thing that we're going to do is play an excerpt from the first Sound Prince program back on May 13, 2002. Um, we signed on to the air, and Jim Shaw and I did a lot of that show together. So um, I'm going to ask Jordan, our producer, to start that right now, and it's going to run for about five minutes. Good evening. Program for the Blind and Visually Impaired, sponsored by the Kentucky Council of the Blind. I'm Carla Reshevel, and I'm your host for tonight's show. But the most important part of Sound Prince is you, the listener. We have a guest this evening. Our first guest is Jim Shaw, president of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. And um, we wanted to invite Jim to come and tell us about the council and introduce it to you since this is a new program. Jim is totally blind. He is from Louisville and attended the Kentucky School for the Blind, graduating from Pleasure Ridge Park High School and from Bellarmine. In his other life, he is um, a claims representative with the Social Security Administration. Welcome, Jim. Thank you, Carla. It's a pleasure being here, and um, I'm really anxious to be a part of this um, Sound Prince uh, program, and uh, I'm anxious to uh, be participating in it this evening. 
isn't it kind of neat to have a program that's just about issues and and um, technology and information related to blindness and visual impairment? It certainly is. Can you tell us a little bit about the council, how it began, uh, what the purpose is? Uh, just, just give us an overview. The uh, Kentucky Council of the Blind began, uh, actually was reform, reformed back in 1974. It initially started, I think, in the mid to late 60s, a little before I was active. I was a teenager then. <laughs> but in 1974, um, several of us became charter members of the new organization. Its purpose is to uh, promote independence for blind people and to have a uh, forum for blind people in assisting them in, in obtaining jobs, in uh, litigating in, in some circumstances where they have been discriminated against in employment and, and other issues. It's a an organization that has really grown very quickly in, in this state and I think throughout the whole United States the American Council of the Blind of which we are an affiliate has uh, grown by leaps and bounds and uh, I'm just pleased to be a part of the organization have been serving as president since uh, the fall of 2000 and have been active in the organization since uh, we gathered in January of 1974. Why don't you talk a little about our, about our newsletter? Yes, we uh, publish a newsletter that informs um, individuals throughout the state, members and, and non-members, about what our organization is all about, what we do socially, what we do to involve uh, blind people in, in various activities. Um, we. It's a very informative uh, um, letter that we publish. Uh, at least we try to do, do it every other month. Sometimes more more often, depending on on what's uh, what's going on. And it's available free of charge. Free of charge. All right. That's how Jim's first interview sounded on. Soundprints, May 13, 2002. We're going to run quickly to a break. We have a lot of phone calls stacked up. People who want to talk about Jim, share memories, share stories, and we're going to get to everyone. Let us hear from you. Bookport DT is a new, easy-to-use, desktop-style digital talking book player recorder from APH. Read books on digital talking book cartridges from NLS. Download books from the Internet. Make your own recordings. Bookport DT features optional, simplified controls and a large, clear-sounding speaker. Call the American Printing House for the Blind toll-free, 800-223-1839. Or visit http colon slash slash shop dot aph dot org. Page four. We're glad that everyone is coming out, but we've had just great messages from people on the Internet, Facebook, on email. And so this is another way that we're giving you to share your uh, memories of Jim. We are first going to go to a person who um, first met Jim in training when she was uh, working, uh, just just beginning to work for Social Security, and Jim was too. We're going to go first to Janet Dickelman. Janet, how are you? Hi, Carla. Thanks for having me on. Janet is a member of the ACB Board of Directors, and she is the convention coordinator with the American Council of the Blind and from um, Minnesota. And, uh, Janet, we're glad that you're calling in. So share some memories about Jim with us. 
Well, as you as you said, Carla, Jim and I met in 1974 when we both started in training for Social Security. And pardon me if I'm not being very eloquent. It was very hard hearing Jim's interview. That was like, just, I can just picture him sitting right across the desk from me. Yep. Uh, but Jim and I met in 1974. We were in training for Social Security when Social Security first started hiring people who were blind and visually impaired. And we were in West Palm Beach together. And it was a group of us mostly just graduated from college. And we were all down there and all, you know, My goodness. had a great time. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was quite, quite the fun time. But Jim, always a gentleman. He, he always socialized, but he wasn't, you know, the partier. He was just, you know, Jim that everybody could depend on. And one day, the manager of the office in West Palm Beach, where we were in class, called Jim and I into his office, and we were like, oh, my gosh, what happened? What did we do? And he um, asked both of us if we'd be willing to stay down in West Palm Beach and work in the office there. It didn't work out for either of us to stay because we'd been hired through other regions, and they wanted us back in our region. But I often think how different things would have been if Jim and I ended up working in Florida. That would have been, you know, totally, totally different. Um, Jim and I stayed together um, as friends throughout our Social Security careers. Jim um, was a claims representative for Social Security, as most of you know. I was a supervisor, but I'll tell you one thing. Jim's knowledge of Social Security far exceeds mine. He was just a walking encyclopedia of anything Social Security. And, of course, you worked with him last summer when he worked on the ACB information desk at the convention. Right, and that was, that was the other thing. With Jim uh, did a lot of work at the last several conventions, sitting at the information desk, copying files for people, putting them on their thumb drives and their uh, cards and all of that. Well, he wasn't able to come in Reno, and I tried to do some of the file copying, and I'll tell you, that is a lot of work. <laughs> Thankless task, isn't it? Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> yes. And so. uh, Jim would, we would always say that Jim would copy files until 10 in the morning. Yes. Well, about 12.30, 1 o'clock, I'd say to Jim, you're still sitting here. Why are you here? Why don't you, you know, you don't have to stay oh, but people are still coming by, and maybe I'll just go grab a bite of lunch, and then I'll come back. Yes, and he, was, and he was there all afternoon. He was. Yeah. He Janet, we, we are going to have to, we're going to have to run because we have full phone lines. I mean, people right. are stacked up. Thank you. And just one thing, I'd like mm-hmm. to say, Justin, Jordan, and Linda, Jim talked about you all often and i know how happy he was to have you as his family members mm-hmm. and i feel very privileged to have been one of his friends thank you yeah that's very very true very well said all right let's go to margaret next margaret are you there hello hello uh, margaret is calling from arkansas and so you you can't listen to us live either right no but i uh i wanted to get in and say you know how really how Sorry, I am that he passed away because he's just done so much. And the things I haven't known him that long. I met him in blind lines, and I met him, you know, at the convention, everything like that. But one of the first things I noticed about him is he is interested in whatever you're telling him, and it didn't matter even if he didn't know one of the people you were talking about. He took a personal interest in you, no matter, and. uh I had retired from IRS, and uh, they were telling me that I wouldn't be able to draw Social Security because it was government retirement. Mm-hmm. And I told him, you know, the reasons why and why I'd, 
I had tried here in my area for a long time to get it researched, and they wouldn't even fill out the paper on me. <laughs> and he said, you don't have to go to the nearest Social Security office. You can call anywhere you want to. <laughs> and, and so I you called call Jim, right? Well, I talked to him, and he told me, you know, why don't you try another place? And, and mm-hmm. I did. And they, I said, now, this is going to be a real research project, because he said they were interpreting it backwards. Mm-hmm. That since I, uh, I retired between 1975 and 1982, mm-hmm. that I should be eligible, because that was a loophole in it. So, anyway, I got, so, did, so did it work out? It worked out, and I, the money was in the bank before I even knew that. You know, I thought they'd be asking me where to send it to and all like yeah. that, and it went right straight into my checking account. Fantastic. Like, Margaret, I we, that. We've, so we've, I wanted, we've got phone lines all stacked up, I or we it. chat longer. I am so glad you called, and you'll be part of this audio scrapbook right. for his family. And that is a great story of how Jim helped people. He did that for people all over the this country. Uh, I think Susan is next. Susan? Yeah. There you are. Okay. okay. Well, um, actually, um, I, guess, I guess I won't stay long, but um, I met Jim in 1976. <clears throat> he came, well, I lived over at Lions Lodge, too, mm-hmm. and I can almost cry because I, I don't know, I just can't believe he's gone, but, um, but, but uh, he came over to see Daniel Kamek and and so he, Daniel had to go somewhere, and so we sat out, sat out on the porch and talked a while. And, and I, I think I recorded the conversation, but I, but I had such a crush on him. I, I eventually, I mean, I kind of had a crush on him for like probably a year or something. But and I'm not kidding. I played, I recorded our our conversation, and I played the the tape almost just about every night. And I think I broke the tape. <laughs> what we find yeah. out on Sound Prints. <laughs> And because uh, I literally, I mean, cause I played it and played it and played it, and just, just wore it out. And uh, oh, I was upset when I broke it, but I, I loved, you know, hearing his, you know, nice, soft-spoken voice. And he was, oh yeah, you know, he seemed like he was just, you know, always a real sweet person. And I, I just hated it that, you know, my, my dad, you know, talked to him on a few occasions, you know, yes. about retirement and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. just really, you know, it, uh, really, I, I always wanted him to meet each other, but I guess they'll meet yeah. each other in heaven. But I, Yep. Now I want my sister. Wanted my sister to meet him too, but right. But anyway, I, I just wanted, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that he's gone, and and I just I, I cried myself to death. And you know, it seems like it's Sunday night when I heard about it. But. Well, well, thank you for calling and sharing with us, Susan. We appreciate it. That's all right. Let's go to Daryl next. Daryl. Hello. Hello. I bet you have been to the viewing today. Yes, I have, and uh, there's quite a few people there. Uh, good friends, uh, all walks of life. Uh, Jim touched them, uh, whether it's Social Security, church, uh, school for the blind, whatever, just about uh, a wide variety there. I remember mostly Jim as, a, as a, a Christian, a man whose faith was very important to him, never wore it on his sleeve, never tried to exert his faith on anyone ever, but lived it honestly every day. And... Uh, would help anyone, be overly generous, uh, compassionate, and understanding, uh, a true rock-solid friend, and I was proud to call Jim my friend. That is great, Daryl. Thank you very much. Okay. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> After that, wow, that was wonderful, and how well said. Our next caller is Ray. Is this Ray Campbell? 
This is he, Carla. How are you? Hi, Ray. This is Ray. He's from Chicago, Illinois, a member of the ACB Board of Directors and past president of the Illinois Council of the Blind. Glad you called, yes. Ray. And in the seat and in the seat that you hold in Kentucky, treasurer now. So ah, okay, uh, okay. Um, first and foremost, uh, again, just want to say all of them, Karen's and my thoughts are prayers and, and prayers are with everyone down there and uh, Jim's family and his many friends and. This is certainly a sad time, but a couple of quick memories of Jim. One that I would share is, Carla, of course, you've been to tons of conventions. I have, too. And, you know, conventions, one of those things that about by the end of the week, at least this is how it is for me, you're kind of like, the next person that runs into me or whatever, I'm going to smack them. <laughs> yeah, just about, although I've never quite thought of it that way, but almost. <laughs> well, maybe that's the guy in me. I don't know, but... Um, then you'd meet Jim, and it was like you didn't know what kind of. It didn't matter what sort of a day you were having or anything. He could just lift you up, and he's like, "Hi, how you doing?" He was interested in you, uh, as a previous caller said, and uh, it just made you feel good uh, to be around him and uh, to hear that clip and that gentle voice once again was was just uh, was just very good. The second memory that I have of Jim that I would share. Uh, many people listening know that I worked to the Adaptive Technology Help Desk at the Chicago Lighthouse. And uh, Jim was one of my callers, eh, called about three or four times in the time I worked there. Well, anyway, um, there was this one time that he called, and I don't even remember what the problem was that he was having. He's like, you know, Ray, I really should be able to figure this out, but he said, I just can't, you know. And I'm like, okay, Jim, let's go through. And we went through and figured out whatever it was. He's like, oh, man, he said, I should have been able to figure it out. I'm so sorry to have wasted your time. I said, no, Jim, that's what I'm here for. And I share this because Jim thought about the other person. He didn't think about himself. He thought about the other person and other people and just how things would, uh, uh, how it was for them and, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, he, as I said, he felt bad about calling me, but it's like, no, that's that's why I'm here. So, you know, I just really uh, appreciated that about Jim and that he didn't think of himself. He thought of other people. And uh, my only regret uh, as I close is that um, he, he wasn't at the November convention last year. They said, recall so that I could get a chance to see him. But uh, anyways, uh, a great show, and um, again, um, uh, my best to everybody down there, and uh, um, you all have a good night. All right. Thank you very I'm much. I'm listening on the Internet. So. Oh, good, good. All right. Thank you very much for calling, Ray. We Let's go next to Elaine. Elaine, how are you? Hello. How are you? Um, you were at the viewing today. Well, no, I had to go to to my doctor's, but I'll be there oh, Friday, Friday. somebody told me you were there, so I guess I got wrong information. Well, it's okay. I'll be at the funeral Friday. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll all be there. That's well, for sure. And my prayers goes out to the family and, and Linda and all, and the nephews on the, to the family. Prayers go out to them. Mm-hmm. Me and Jim was really, really close. We were like a brother and sister to each other. He would call up, call and check on me, and I'd always call and check up on him. And then he always liked to come to my house because he said, Lane, I like your cooking. Your cooking is better than anybody else. And he likes my pork chops. <laughs> now, you know, he is at the buffet. If there's a buffet in heaven, Jim is there, and he's having pork chops right now. That's right. So we just should put two pork chops and a radio in his cassette. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he, he loves those pork chops. i got to yeah. tell you, we went up to northern Kentucky for a Christmas party. Mm-hmm. to the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind Christmas Party, and it was at Perkins Restaurant. Yeah. 
And we were all sitting there ordering, and they came to Jim, and Jim says, well, I'd like pork chops and mashed potatoes. And and the waiter says, okay, that's fine. And Jim says, now, will I get one or two pork chops with that? And the waiter goes, well, there's two. And he goes, oh, good. You know, it was just like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, to have those pork chops. So. But I will really miss him because, you know, not having somebody to talk to every day now and him talking and checking on him him checking on me mm-hmm. is going to be a, a, a great loss because, mm-hmm. you know, I just love talking to him. Every time when I had problems, he could listen. When he had problems, he'd call me. Yeah, yeah. Well, we are so glad you called and shared uh, with us, Elaine, and we will see you Friday morning at the funeral. Okay, and can, can you send me a copy of this? I appreciate Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you, sweetie. All right. Thank you. Next, we have Gary. I bet this is Gary Jones. Uh, Gary Mudd. Oh, Gary. Okay. I guess, I guess the wrong Gary. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> well, welcome, Gary. We're glad you're calling. This is Gary Mudd from the Printing House. Thank you. Great idea for a program, too. He would be proud. Um, quick story. I was a uh, 1964 April. I was a newly blinded uh, sixth grader. Came to KSB, scared to death, low expectations, and Dixie Hauser, who was a Braille teacher there, then <clears throat> said that you're going to learn Braille so that you can come back to school in the fall and be with your class. And then she asked for a volunteer uh, who would work with me during school. And guess who raised his hand? Uh, Jim Shaw. And it just, you know, that's indicative of, of Jim. Uh, even in the sixth grade when most of us probably weren't the best people in the world, but Jim was then. And so I just wanted to relay that story, my memory of first meeting him, and fortunately uh, we were friends for almost 50 years now. Yeah, what a neat story. He's a good guy. He he was a great guy. I'm we, will miss him. we sure will. Thank you, Thanks. Gary. Appreciate it. And next we have Mike. Hi, Mike. Hi, how are y'all doing tonight? Good. That's good. I didn't know Jim for maybe about eight or nine years or so, so I haven't, you know, I don't have any long-term memories of him. But the thing that always amazed me is that he made me feel like I had some measure of uh, significance. He made me feel important. Well, Jim had a way of, of making everybody feel special. I could tell that. You know, yeah. He, he just, you know, this love just radiated from him. Yes. When you when you talked to him, you had the feeling that you had his total attention and that you were the center of that of his universe at that given time. There you go. That's, the, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's, that's all true. I have to say. But, uh, well, thank you, Mike. We appreciate you calling and sharing with us. Thank you. You take care now. You too. Next, we have Joe. Joe? Come on. Hello. Hello. Hi, Joe. How are you? Good. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I was really shocked whenever uh, Ronnie White called me and told me about Jim. Oh, I, wow. I'm telling you, the way the word got around, wasn't it just the kind of like shock waves going yes. through? <laughs> yes. But yes. anyway, I wanted to say that I remember Jim uh, in school. He was in my class. Mm-hmm. And um, I always knew him as Jimmy. Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Anyway, when I, uh, uh, Lloyd and I moved to, to Louisville, um, I uh, was talking to him one day, and I called, told him I was Joe, and and he acted like he didn't, you know, he, of course he didn't know me, and I said, <laughs> I, I said, I'm, I used to be Josie Hicks, and he said, oh, Josie, and then we got to talking about school, and, 
the old school days and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yes. And, uh, we just had a good long talk. Well, that's really good. That's mm-hmm. good. And he just never, it seems like he never forgot an incident, any incident that happened, you know? Yeah. It, it didn't matter. Somebody told us today that uh, a lady from we met that had worked with him at Social Security, mm-hmm. and she said she had seen him out at, at Walmart. Out, I guess he was waiting on a TARC 3 or something, and she walked up and she said, Hi, Jim, how are you? And immediately he said, Oh, how are you? And called her by name, just knew her. You know, she didn't have to tell him who, who she was, and he, she hadn't seen him for for several years, uh-huh. and that's just how Jim was. Oh yeah, he he don't, he never did forget. No, he didn't. Thank you, Joe. We appreciate you calling. Okay. Okay. Bye uh, bye. And who'd you tell me was next, Jordan? Uh, Debbie. Yeah, Come, uh, Debbie, you are up next. Hello. Hi. Well, it's been a very sad week, but you know he's he's up there eating. Like you said, on on the buffet somewhere. Yep. Um, I remember uh, my mom. Of course, she likes to cook, and he'd always say, "Well, have you gone out there? It's Sunday. Uh, you going out to your mom and dad's for fried chicken? No, not this week, Jim." <laughs> and um, he, uh, you know, he was a very caring person, and uh, like you said, he didn't forget anything. I mean, uh, he and I, when I always kid uh, when. Um, we were asking, uh, he'd say, when are you going to update your note taker? Well, Jim, I'm waiting for you to buy one. <laughs> and uh, we'd have that joke uh, going back and forth. And uh, he just, you know, his contagious laugh, I mean, he just put, if you weren't in a good mood, you were after you uh, saw him. Yes, that's very true. That is so true. And uh, there were quite a few people. We made it out. My parents took us out. And it was like having a pre-alumni reunion or something oh my goodness this afternoon we got there about 30 minutes after the viewing began and of course it's two to eight today and here we were there around 2 30 and debbie there were people from everywhere there i mean people from different churches and people from social security and people from ksb and alumni i mean it was this i said half the city was there and the other half was going to show up tonight well, we walked in and we heard all this people's like well we know where to go half the city's here i know it was just amazing absolutely amazing um bill like to say something real all quick. right okay hello hi bill it's really sad you know i um was thinking about the uh, susan mentioned about jim being at the lodge and uh I remember it was about that time when I got my first uh, guide dog, uh, Comanche, a German Shepherd. Mm-hmm. And Jim later would uh, ask, would uh, talk about uh, back then when uh, I had Comanche, and you know, he remembered it better than I did. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, Jim and Jim loved dogs. Yes, he did. He had um, a lab for a long time named Shallow. Yeah, yeah, and he he would talk about that a lot, right? And just at the April uh, Greater Louisville Council of the Blind dinner that we had mm-hmm. here in in the elections just this this month, earlier last month, um, he was talking to some people about Shiloh and and you know, making friends with their guide dogs and things because yeah. Jim loved dogs. Oh uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, he and uh, I got telling him about. Uh, some of the places that I've uh, found that because I love to check the temperatures at different places mm-hmm. on the iPhone, and uh, Jim really found that interesting because Jim was always interested in weather. Oh yeah, and uh, 
he would call me up sometimes and say, uh, have you checked the temperature in Winnipeg today? I <laughs> know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he told me about Barrow, Alaska. And uh, what was interesting is Jim could tell you, like, where it was located, uh, longitude and latitude. And I know. The first time I was on a cruise with Jim, they, uh, he and these guys were discussing uh, at what latitude uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico was. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I'm staying out of that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, that's right. Yeah. He 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 was really into all of that kind of stuff, weather especially and the geography and so on. So, well, thank you, you know, Bill. Real quick, I thought about the. It was Sunday when I heard about that. The, mm-hmm. I uh, did a talk on the, at church Sunday, and I remember one of the closing lines was that the fact that you know it's really not what you accomplish in this earth; it's what you left behind. And I was thinking so much about. All the things that Jim has truly left behind, you know, oh, yeah. remarkable. All the memories that people have and all the good things that he's done. I mean, it's just, yes, it's, it's, it is absolutely a remarkable thing. So, okay, yes. well, thank you, Bill. Thank you Appreciate so you calling. Five, the Sound Prince calendar. On May 5, ACB Lions will have its conference call and Lions Everywhere are invited to attend. The monthly meeting gives Lions a chance to share ideas and ways to be involved in local clubs. It's at 9 Eastern, and the number is 712-432-3900, and the code is 796096. On May 7, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind invites you to our derby party. Plan to come early, stay late, and enjoy friends, games, and fun all day. 10.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries. The cost is $5 per person. Call 502-895-4598 to sign up. On May 8, KCB Next Generation will have its monthly conference call at 8 Eastern, 605-475-6006, intercode 294444. On May 10, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will have its monthly meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time at Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. Call Rick Bogus 270-684-4418 for more information. On May 12, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind has its monthly conference call at 7 p.m., Call 605-475-4700 and enter code 155-619. May 13 is the next GLCB Roundabout. It includes Education and Technology, 3.30 to 5, Discussion Time, 5 to 6, Dinner, 6 to 7, $5 per person, Games and Crafts from 7 to 10, 895-4598 for more information. May 14, Exploring with All the Senses, Animals in the Backyard, from 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. It's an opportunity for hands-on activities and interactions with live animals. It's offered by the American Printing House for the Blind Museum in partnership with the Louisville Nature Center. Free for all ages. Registration is required. Call the museum at 502-899-22. One, three. On May 14, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its board meeting at 11 a.m. by conference call, 
605-475-6006, enter code 294444. On May 14, the KCB Next Generation invites all council members to a picnic from 3.30 to 7 p.m. All chapters are invited. $5 for adults, $3 for children 3 to 8 years old. At the Brown Park, 1000 Browns Lane in St. Matthews, RSVP by April 30 by calling 502-750-1774 or email alsmoot, S-M-O-O-T, 87 at gmail.com. On May 15, the Kentucky School for the Blind will have its next alumni board meeting at 8 p.m. by conference call. 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. On May 16, KCB will have its monthly conference call at 8 p.m. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. On May 17, Tri-State Library users will have a dinner meeting in Louisville. More information coming soon. May 19 is the Kentucky School for the Blind Middle and High School Concert, 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. in the KSB Ritchie Auditorium. Call 502-897-1583 for information. On May 20, the Greater Louisville Council will have a roundabout from 3.30 to 10 p.m. The usual schedule will apply. 502-895-4598 for information. On May 22, ACB Families will have its May conference meeting at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Call 605-475-6333 and enter code 1711553. On May 23, Guide Dog Users of Kentucky has their May conference call meeting at 7 p.m. 605-475-6006. Enter code 294444. On May 24, the Kentucky School for the Blind will have its elementary recital and award ceremony from 12.30 to 2.30 p.m. in the Ritchie Auditorium at the school. Call 502-897-1583. May 25 is the Bluegrass Council Support Group meeting for May from noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB office in Lexington, 859-259-1834. On May 25, the Kentucky School for the Blind High School graduation is at 6.30 p.m. in the Ritchie Auditorium. Call 502-897-1583. May 27 is the last GLCB roundabout of the month, 3.30 to 10 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, 895-4598 for details. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. 
Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio Eye at radioeye.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prince. Have a great week, everybody.